HCIC Next is a podcast focusing on how digital leaders are reshaping marketing and the healthcare industry. This podcast series shares information about the innovations that are happening today in digital marketing and helps you understand how to apply what has worked in other health systems across the country to your very own organization. The episode you're about to hear was originally captured at the 2019 Healthcare Internet Conference in Orlando, Florida. The title of the session was Using Data Analytics to Inform and Optimize Your Website Redesign. And it was presented by Travis Waters, who's the Assistant Director of Marketing and Interactive Technologies at Vanderbilt University Medical Center, and Christopher Rieger, Chief Operating Officer at Modia. Let's tune in and give it a listen. Really, we're not going to get into a lot of the real technical details of a website redesign, but we're going to really tell you how we made decisions and use data to inform our process. So a little bit about, here we go, uh, Vanderbilt and our marketing department. Uh, we, we represent four major brands. There's a lot of sub-brands underneath that. You can kind of look at our, I'm not going to read our stats, but you know we're a large organization and there's a lot of complexity. We have you know, our three major mission uh, standards that we're, we're trying to meet uh, clinical research, clinical services, and also academic training organizations. So we're, we're stretched thin. We're a team of 55 or so, but we, we represent B2B services. We represent the clinical services, children's hospital, and, and some other things. Uh, just a little bit about my team. I, I work more on the technical side. So uh, we have about 40 web properties, and those are really the applications running our websites, and those are about 600 websites that we've, we run. Um, around 50,000 pages of content, around 35 million page views a year. So it's, it's a big scale, and we, we try and keep everything on the rails a lot of times, but a lot of it is just moving on and getting to the next steps, especially on our consumer side. So that's where we're going to focus on. Uh, this talk is going to be about our children's web redesign, and it really focused on restructuring our content, replatforming. We went to a, a headless system built on top of Drupal, and it was really the first step that we used to get the rest of our consumer site. So we'll talk a little bit about next steps as we go along. Um, Chris is going to cover some data, and then we're going to get into our web uh, redesign process. And then what are kind of our next steps? So welcome to ask questions anytime if you like. Snag the clicker from you. Thanks. Thanks, Travis. Before we get into the details of our case study, and as Travis said, we talk about how we use data and specifically um, web analytics data to inform our work together on the Vanderbilt Children's website, we wanted to just highlight a couple of specific principles uh, related to data that we think um, will help to kind of set up the conversation. And you know, I think at this point, hopefully all of us can agree that we all understand the importance of um, having objective data and using it in our marketing decisions, in our day-to-day work, um, in the decisions we make to deliver value for our organizations, and most importantly, for the consumers, for the patients that, that we serve. Um, so the question that we wanted to start with was just, you know, why is, why specifically um, when we talk about a website redesign or really the design and build of any um, consumer facing um, digital tool, whether it's a website or a mobile application or something else, um, why is this kind of data important? Why is the, the kind of data that you get out of a web analytics platform like Google Analytics, why is that important 
um, to this process. And there are two things that, that we would point to. Um, the first is that data can help us provide answers to critical questions that we have. So really throughout the process, um, we're going to have questions, especially at the, at the start of the process when we're in discovery and we're doing a lot of research and trying to understand you know, what we need to do from a design perspective. Um, data can be a real ally in helping us to answer a lot of those questions. So a really, really simple example for you. One of the questions we're going to have is just who's visiting our website? Hopefully we all know this about our websites, right? Um, but who's visiting our website? And if we turn to a platform like Google Analytics, we're going to find lots of answers. So one simple example that we know for Vanderbilt Children's is about three out of every four website visitors is female. Not, not surprising, right, for a children's hospital. Um, but just a simple example of how data can help us answer these critical questions that we have um, throughout the process. So the second thing that we would point to is throughout this process, we use data to, to provide validation for the work that we're doing. And this can happen throughout the process as we make decisions about the visual design that we put in place, um, the structure of content, even things like just the naming conventions we use in navigation. We can test those things. We can source some data to help validate the decisions we're making throughout. But especially towards the tail end of the process, when the new site is going live, we, we know we need to be ready to um, have robust data that supports good reporting to help us understand if we've been successful and communicate that um, within the organization. Yeah, and for us, I mentioned this was really the start of a much larger project as well. You know, it's the first site out of three or four or five, and we're not really sure how many we'll have it at some point. But for us, it's getting buy-in to continue that work and validate that work. So yeah. that it really helps. Yeah, absolutely. So really, the question we're asking here is just, did we make the right decisions, right? And uh, we'll share, I'll share one quick data point that we're going to come back to later. So once this new site was live, we're going to talk about today, um, we learned that 77% of clicks to call on the new site were happening on service line pages. This was a really important statistic for us in part of, in, in part of validating um, the work that we did and the decisions we made. And we're going to come back to that stat and unpack it a little bit later. So th this is how, at a very high level, we think about um, the, the design process. And um, you, know, you, you might think about it a little differently or use different naming conventions. But essentially, up front, there's this period of discovery and research where we're talking to important stakeholders, we're talking to customers, we're conducting other research to help us understand what really needs to be designed, what really needs to be built to provide the best user experience to the end customer. Um, and then after that, we're designing, and then we're building, and then hopefully we're thoroughly testing the solution before it goes live. Um, and then at the end, we need to be able to measure the success of, of what we've launched. Um, so we you know, apply data across this process for both of these reasons I just talked about, right? Throughout to answer questions, to validate the decisions that we're making. So what Travis and I wanted to do today was kind of use these high-level um, steps in the process and just share with you um, the process that we, th we followed and we think is a really good process for um, leveraging data, web analytics data, throughout the redesign process. And then throughout the way, we're going to show you some specific examples of uh, things that we use data for um, for the Vanderbilt Children's website. So I am going to uh, kind of kick us off and talk through the first couple of steps, and I'll, I'll turn it back over to Travis to, to take care of uh, uh, the rest. Um, so let's let's start a little bit with discovery. So, you know, during the discovery process, as I as I mentioned earlier, 
um, you know, there's a lot of research happening, and we're really trying to set ourselves up for success to make sure that we understand um, what who our customers are, um, what what they really need out of a, a new site experience, um, and then um, and then ultimately also to make sure we understand just our organizational goals um, as well. So to to us, data is a really important part of this process, and there are just a number of things that we um, that we look at in uh, in the web analytics platform. Um, first of all, we just look at um, pretty pretty typical um, technical factors and sort of general statistics, right? So we're looking at things like um, what technologies are being used to come to the website, browser and operating system. We have more desktop, more mobile users coming to the site. Um, we look at page load time. This is something that has become, I think, an increasing focus for us as more and more users are coming um, to the web on mobile devices. We're going to come back to that as well here in a minute. Um, and then just some really good, um, even high-level measures of engagement, like um, how long are they staying on the site, um, how many pages are they visiting when they come to the site in a single session. We also look at bounce rate, which can be a bit of a, a problematic stat at times, but I think can be really helpful, especially when you couple it with some other, some other data points. And then we're also pulling a lot of data on just the behavior and demographics of who's, who's coming to the site. Um, we look at, you know, are they new visitors? Are they coming back to the site and returning? Um, and then looking at just demographics like geography, age, um, gender. Um, and then you can see a list of other things here that we look at as well related to just the journey that our um, customers are taking throughout the site. How are they getting there? How are they finding us? What are the landing pages they're visiting first? Um, and then what are, the, what are the typical sort of navigation patterns they're taking? You know, what can we learn about their intent and what they're trying to accomplish um, when they get there? All of this information you know, can be um, gleaned from the data that we have in Google Analytics. And we typically start with a fairly um, high-level look at all of this data. And then we also dive in and do some specific analysis um, to, uh, to just look a little deeper into the, into the numbers. But all this kind of comes together to paint a picture for us of just you know, who these, who these customer, customers are. So we wanted to share a couple of examples that um, were some data that we actually looked at during this part of the process for us on, on this, um, this project. One of the first things um, that we look at is just, um, again, how are our visitors coming to the site and where are they starting their journey? So for the Children's Hospital website at Vanderbilt, about 30% of their site visitors start on the homepage, which means about 70%, more than two-thirds, start somewhere else on the interior pages of the site. And I, I would say that um, when we think about all of our clients, um, that's pretty typical, right? Most of the traffic doesn't start the way that your, you know, your physician leaders think they start, right? Like they, they, we sort of have that view of the homepage being so important and being the front door, and that's usually not the case. So and, go ahead, to that point, we we had a lot of discussions on what content to put on the homepage and where it should go and what order. Sometimes, you know, use that as a political chip. If, if that's something that's going to get you buy-in, that you need to put it on there, make it look pretty, and put it down the page a little bit. You know, that's kind of sometimes a decision you have to make if you need to get buy-in to keep moving the project forward. So. That's really how we've treated our homepage in some ways. We have really good navigation at the top of it to, to drive down to the down the funnel. But at the same time, if there's there's information down there, you know, some you gotta make that decision and, and kind of go back and forth with it. So Yeah. Yeah. 
So for us, the big learning here was that that traffic that was coming to the interior part of the site was usually starting on service line content. Specialty pages, treatments and conditions content um, was where they were most often starting their journey. And you can see the other types of pages that, um, that were bringing users to the site um, as well. So if this is a good measure of what kind of brought them initially, the, the way they're entering the site, we also like to look at what they do next. And so the simplest way to do that is just looking at their second page path. So once they land on the site, literally, where do they go next? What's the next step that they take? And um, this is what that data looks like. So uh, the biggest chunk was about 25% of visitors then immediately went to physician content, which basically means the find a doctor tool or individual physician profile pages. And that's immediately followed by um, service lines. Those are flipped. Service lines were about 21% service line content, and then location pages, about 15%. So, you know, that that together is what over 60%, close to two-thirds of um, the visitors are going to those sort of three main content hubs first and foremost once they once they land on the site. And that was followed by careers and then kind of a long tail of other other places that they they navigated as well. Um, so I mentioned earlier, uh, I know this is kind of an eye chart. I will talk you through it. I mentioned earlier that we look at page load speed. One, one thing when we did our initial kind of look at, at analytics during discovery, one thing we noticed was that um, the old Children's Hospital website had a pretty high page load time. Um, and so we collectively talked about that and felt that that could, could be um, problematic for the user experience, impacting the user experience. So we actually looked at it, um, you can see on this chart, on the um, y-axis, we mapped average page load time in seconds, and we looked at that against bounce rate as a measure of um, engagement, just a general measure of engagement. And you can see that for the, um, these are the different operating systems of our site visitors, and the desktop traffic is basically here, Windows and Mac. I really I get a kick out of how Google Analytics still calls it Macintosh, it's kind of funny. Um, so that's basically your desktop traffic. You know, the bounce rate's kind of fairly average to what we see with other clients, and the average page load time isn't great, but it's not horrible, right? But this up here, this, these are basically all the mobile operating systems, iOS, Android, Windows Phone. There's Chrome OS in there as well, and that traffic had significantly higher average page load speed and significantly higher bounce rate, and so that for us, built a hypothesis that this was something that needed to be addressed when we, we rebuilt the site. Right, and being that it is a children's site, we're close to 65% mobile traffic, so this needed to get taken care of. The previous CMS that we had built on was this homegrown monstrosity that was 15 years old or so. Um, we, we called it Site Doc. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which, wait, which one's yours? <laughs> okay. No, not yours. Yeah, so it was really important for us to drive mobile traffic and make sure that's an optimal experience for those users. Yep. So um, a couple of other things just to think about during discovery is I've, I've mostly talked about web analytics data through a platform like Google Analytics so far. During discovery, we also like to leverage a few other tools. And the primary one would be a tool that's used to gather session recording data. Does anybody use a tool like this right now in your work? A couple of you? Okay. So tools like InspectLit, Crazy Egg, and Hotjar, which are the three that um, I've had the most um, experience with, 
you know, they run in the background, they're third-party uh, tools, they run in the background, and they anonymously gather um, recordings of your actual website visitors using the site. It's extremely helpful. It's a great way to, to sort of, you know, once you see some things in the data that you think are happening, to then use one of these tools and actually look at some real live recordings of your, your real customers using the site and kind of, kind of prove your hypotheses or disprove your hypotheses sometimes. Um, and so we used one of these tools as well um, for the children's um, hospital site, which was extremely helpful. And then finally, um, we wanted to talk just a little bit about the importance of benchmarking. So something that I, I think often gets missed because there's so much focus and attention on figuring out what to design, what to build for the new site experience, um, is that you know once we, we can do everything right with measurement on the new site and get the perfect design out there, once it's launched, if we don't have a good baseline for how things used to be and what those metrics were beforehand, then it's really hard to measure kind of the before and after that is so important to help us, again, validate you know, the success of, of the decisions that we made. And so that is really important um, to, to address as well. So let's talk just a little bit about design before I hand things um, back over to Travis. So um, obviously during the design process, kind of the focal point and the excitement organizationally is around creating this new design for the, for the new site and all the work that, that goes into that. Um, but for us um, as a team, you know, making sure that we're set up for success to be able to measure really well is a really important part of this stage of the, the project also. And so during the design process, as we're figuring out um, the right information architecture and then ultimately wireframing and creating um, fully fleshed out um, comps of the, the, the new site experience, the new user experience, um, we, we think it's best to have an analyst creating a really sound measurement strategy for the new site. Um, and that, that for us means three specific things. One is, um, you know, this typically looks like a document that First of all, make, make sure that it aligns to the, the critical goals and priorities that we identified during discovery. Um, so you know, if it's a children's hospital and it's an important goal to drive fundraising through this new site, then we need to make sure that that is being measured um, in, the, in the measurement strategy. Um, and then we also want to, in that document, identify what are the key funnels and conversions that, um, that need to be measured really well for the new site experience. And um, you know, I'll, I'll use my same example. If, if we're trying to drive fundraising, we probably want to measure every time a donation comes through the new site. But we also want to understand what are the steps leading up to that that also need to be measured um, to, to be able to, to know that we've been successful. And then finally, uh, we're literally detailing a, a very specific plan in this measurement um, plan and this measurement strategy to tell us specifically the elements on the, on the comps, on the new site design that we're going to measure all the way down to the naming conventions um, of what we're what we're calling the various tags. Um, you know, there's a lot of measurement that happens just by installing Google Analytics on your site. So to measure um, a lot of the engagement, in addition to that, we're typically using a tool like Google Tag Manager, right, to, to do event tracking. And um, and so it's really important, we think, to get really granular on um, what are the naming conventions of those tags um, because that literally is how we're going to get to that data after the new site is, is live. So here is literally a screenshot of, of the plan that we worked on for the Vanderbilt Children's site. So on the left is just an example of the document where we actually are screen, you know, including screenshots of the page comps that are, were being created. 
and we're detailing out what needs to be measured as part of that plan. And you can see literally how specific we get with the tags that we're, we're creating and what the naming conventions are. Yeah, um, you can't see them up. So when it gets to location, it's you know careers link and footer, careers link and fly out hamburger menu, careers link and some other sub menu. So we're really trying to tag all of those locations and really understand where people are coming from and, and what they're doing when they're on the site. So, yeah. But it has to get really granular to be able to to prove yes. that out. Yeah. Yes. So one thing we wanted to touch on. Um, briefly as well um, is is SEO because while this isn't necessarily specifically related to um, to creating measurements on the new site and using analytics on the new site, um, we, we are using analytics to inform um, some of the SEO decisions we're making. And this also does impact our ability to measure down the road also. So um, these are um, 11 SEO factors that we think about, we think should be considered during a redesign process. We've got them sort of divided up into technical factors, things like tagging and um, your URLs and if they're SEO friendly, um, how mobile friendly the site is, the sitemap, submitting the sitemap, things that we think are critical to make sure are part of the plan and are just sort of table stakes for, for um, setting yourself up for success in search. Um, and then the other, the other four on the right are sort of content factors that are a big part of site implementation and are really, really important to make sure are captured as well. Um, so you know, for this, um, for this part of the process, we typically, during the design phase of the site, you know, uh, feel strongly that these, these things should be addressed and that we're auditing, for instance, how is the URL structure on the old site and is it good enough or do we need to make some changes um, as we as we redesign and, and think about implementing the new site experience as well. Yeah, and we, we switched domains in this process as well for the site, so we had to be very careful about redirects and how we handle that piece and really map that out. And that, that helped with a lot of this work as well, so just keeping it top of mind for yeah. sure. So um, since we're talking about design, we wanted to share a couple of the specific designs for the Children's Hospital website and just kind of link this back to the, the data and some of the things we learned in discovery. So um, this is an example of a service line page um, on, the, on the new um, Vanderbilt Children's website. And if you think back to what I shared before, we know a lot of visitors are landing on this page first thing. And uh, you know, sort of, Travis could probably speak to this in more detail. But the the old design for the the former Vanderbilt Children's website, those weren't necessarily the best landing pages designed to be the best landing pages. Yeah, we didn't have any calls to action. Right. <laughs> so minor detail, minor detail. So that was something that was really important here, and you can see the decisions that we made to to make calls to action very present. You know, right when you land on this page, and I'll, I'll sort of scoot ahead to show you, even as you scroll down that service line page and you get to you know, who's the care team that provides this service, these services, where the locations where you can interact with the specialty, you can see how the page is pretty tricked out with calls to action. And we wanted to make it really clear on how to take the next step um, during your care journey. So I'm gonna hand it over to Travis to talk through the next stage. Yeah, so Chris mentioned uh, the first step of this a little bit. Google Tag Manager, where we talked about making that plan, getting those tags in place. This is where you go in and, and identify all those pieces. It takes some technical know-how to go in and tag those and make sure they're getting recorded as you're going along. 
but it's really helpful to have this. And as you start building out the site, you get that kind of first test site, you can start doing this work at that time. And, and the team can do that. Where we found from a technical perspective, you noticed all of those buttons, all those calls to action. There are times where, I mean, we miss IDs or classes or tags just from a technical standpoint, building out those buttons. This is a chance to catch that as we're going along. So really helpful step, and it, it needs to be done to really gather the information that was in the plan that we had done. Um, the next thing that we did is make sure we implemented schema.org. I think it was number one or two on the list that, that you showed on the SEO slide. Um, what this does is talk to the search engine. So if you're not aware of what schema.org is, I know it's been covered in some of the other sessions. It, it's a way that all of the search engines agreed on this is the tagging structure. The problem is they were a little behind in healthcare when they first came out, right? So not all of our content matched up, but on every page, we wanted to make sure we had some sort of schema on there. So we made a plan, matched it up as well as we could because we knew, you know, this is how Google's going to see this and we want those results. So it's Google's picking up star results on the service line pages where we're showing providers. It may pick up the first star result on that page for that first provider, but it's a service line page. It talk, you know, our gastro page, it picks up our first gastro doctor. So we have those start results and it gets that interaction on the search engine and drives them through. Sorry, you're talking about Sorry? When you say star results, uh, our star ratings, so our uh, press gainy scores. Yeah. Yep. So we really try and pass as much information through, through schema. Uh, it's great when you're using the webmaster tools as well. It'll tell you when there's something wrong with your schema, if Google changes something. So you, you, you have a chance to kind of stay ahead as well. So, really valuable for us and it's always changing so you need to to watch it yeah i was just going to jump in and say if this is a screenshot of the medical conditions page on schema.org and if you go to schema.org and you sort of click on the sort of medical section of the site there's just tons of different there are tons of different ways that you can um, tag your content and this this page alone shows you um, i'm getting old so i'm gonna have to get a little closer to see that um, shows you, you know, anatomy, cause, diagnosis, drug, epidemiology, um, natural progression. Um, it, there's just, there are all kinds of tags that you can use, and it, it can be a little overwhelming, um, which is why for this project to get the site live, we, we started relatively simply, right? Um, and like Travis said, just focused on those specific things that we thought would drive the most value to our, our search results. But you can go pretty deep on this stuff. Yeah, right? and, and you think about schema.org, it was originally built for you know a retail line or a fast food place where they have individual locations, they don't have one large location, and 400 other locations. So it, like I said, you've got to kind of squeeze in your content. They're, they're getting better, so just watch and find out what's going on with them. So. Um, again, structured content really helps with this. So example of what it looks like, like I said, star results show up. Gastro disorders program, we have a star rating on there. That star rating is related to a doctor on that page, not necessarily the individual program, but it, I think that represents the program as well. So some of the things you can game the system, but it, it gets the data out there and gets the information and gets people clicking and coming to your site. Um, again, it passes location information. We have it on locations, providers, programs, condition pages. 
um, some of our information pages, treatments, tests. So we have it across the board on, the, on those page types. So now we're going to get into the meat. We've, we got it tagged. We got it structured. We built it. We're launching. Um, we have our site out. Uh, on all of our sites, we didn't necessarily, I know you saw that make an appointment button. We don't have that necessarily available for all of our service lines on Children's yet. Uh, hopefully online scheduling will be coming soon. But Chris mentioned that 77% come on call on those uh, program pages. This is the button that does that. And again, we didn't have call to actions on every page and we made a really big effort to put a call to action on every page, but it helped our content team really focus in on what the content should be on that page. And do we even need a page a lot of times? Because if you're just building a page to build a page, why are you doing it? So they, they went through that process a little bit, building these out and, and getting those phone numbers and find a location. So again, 77% on that. And we'll get into uh, make an appointment. Final location was a big one for us as well. Some of our uh, data validation and um, process in the, the beginning, asking questions to our users, we knew that find a location was really important to them. We actually put this on every program page. Some of the times it takes them to our location search. Sometimes it links them down to more locations directly related to that program. So we find a lot of interaction with that click. So that was. Again, a strategic decision along the way based on learnings and what we found out at the beginning. So. And if I remember correctly, I think about 60% of our find a location clicks were also coming from these pages. So just, again, back to the whole idea of we learned up front how much traffic was starting here. Design decisions were made to make sure we maximized the, this sort of landing page lens of these pages. And, and what we found after the fact was that, indeed, a lot of engagement and activity was being driven by these service lines. Yeah, and we're showing desktop here on mobile, same type of thing. Those are the first three things, two or three things you see on the page. Really, really clear calls to action. So, uh, Make an appointment was big, on, big for us. We, uh, we currently drive mostly to a request an appointment form. Um, we find there's a little bit of, it's 30s, 30%. So we go 30% fill out the form, 30% make an appointment, 30% of those are new patients. That's kind of the number. So we can draw some conclusions and assumptions from an ROI standpoint right now. I'll get into next steps about ROI. But if you look, physician profiles, find a doctor, locations, the making appointments on all of those pages are related to the doctor, right? We showed where the service line making appointment is. It's related to the service line. It also has it on the provider cards. So we have that same design system, same process on every page, and we try to make it consistent. But if you look at this, it's 60% of those clicks are related to providers on, on making appointments. So that was huge for us and really a driver for saying, you know, we're dropping off 30% only complete the request form. We need online scheduling. We need these pieces to really get them in the door and get them scheduled. So, and then Chris showed you this and he also showed the slide to where it went. But if you watch that, mo the circle is the mobile. Um, we, lo we like showing the side to our stakeholders again, get that buy-in. Next steps, 
and then it drops down. Now all your mobile is combined there with the desktop. So it, again, a huge win for us and something that we benchmarked, we recorded ahead of time and knew what we wanted to show later on down the road. There was a, still live, yeah, okay. There, there was a, uh, a lot of process, right, Travis, that went into, you know, the technical team got very dialed into the, the little things that needed to be done to make sure the page loaded really fast. I can see Megan nodding, who's the project manager for, <laughs> who was the project manager on this process and knows all too well that, um, how, this, how this went. But there are a lot of little things that need to be done to, can be done to improve page load speed. I feel like we probably explored every nook and cranny, right? I think we did two or three even before we settled on a, a solution. And some pages were different than others just because of the size of the data and how that loads. Now, we may pull the data in different ways, but it's still always going to use that design system and show in the same way. So, it, again, keeping that consistency as folks go through the site. Um, and now that we're done with children's, you know, we're never done with children's, but uh, we're going to start on health, you know, walking clinics. And it, we started this process and we're attaching all of these measurements and goals to the rest of our site. So we can start doing that benchmarking ahead of time before we start launching these new sites and, and having that dashboard. So again, it's never done. This is probably how a lot of our stakeholders think. They sign a check, you get a website redesigned, you launch it, it's over. Then they come back the next month and they want a new feature and they want new things and you're also driving analytics and getting that. Get that buy-in, understand the process ahead of time, go back to them, let them know that it's not done from the start and you can keep going. Uh, for us, we've got online scheduling, we've got some chat work that we're doing um, adding new features to all the sites at the same time. So again, it doesn't look like this, but that's what some people think. So our next steps, we're um, working on our adult, VanderbiltHealth.com. You saw that uh, screen reader, that was some of the work we're doing on, on that site right now, just really analyzing ahead of time and making sure we're gathering that information. Um, Cross-domain tracking has been a big one. I mentioned the 40... Uh, applications and 600 plus sites. We know that people probably get lost on those, or we had this assumption, now we're trying to prove it. Um, along those lines, though, we've been able to really track a journey across a longer time period. So we're looking at four and a half months, five, six months of data for these people and, and getting a story to tell that from a content standpoint, we can start combining some of our content and service lines and, and getting that information. I think one of them that we looked at was, you know, somebody went to OB, made an appointment, looked at the doctor, two weeks later went and looked at location, uh, two weeks after that or a week or so, internal fetal medicine. We, I can't remember the... <laughs> It just went on and on and on, and you, you've, you've got to NICU services, and you know there was a real story to tell there. That content for us is on three different sites right now. So now we can go back to our stakeholders and say, look, we want to provide a consistent service, and I know you see yourselves as separate, but we need to work and help the consumer here. So there's a lot of things that we're learning right now that I'm really excited about. 
Um, next piece really for us is, I mentioned ROI. We're gonna start really connecting the dots to our clinical and financial data. Packaging that up, we're working, we have a enterprise analytics team. So Chris and his team are helping us package that up to pass and, and really tag that so they can use it and connect the data and we'll really start getting some ROI that we've never had before. Um, and then, yes, ROI. HCIC Next is made possible by Greystone.net, the Healthcare Internet Conference, and Touchpoint Media. To learn more about this show and others like it, visit us online at touchpoint.health.